Before we begin, if you like what you hear on Mile High Report Radio Podcast, don't forget to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, and go ahead and click subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to Mile High Report Radio with your hosts, Adam Malnati and Ian St. Clair. Get involved with the Denver Broncos conversation at milehighreport.com. And now it's time to get to work. All right, Ian, special uh, edition of the Mile High Report Radio podcast because it's the bye week, and so we don't have a game to preview, which and means... And that means we don't have our predictions to get wrong. That's right. We can't screw up our predictions. Uh, gosh, I've been so wrong all year. I'm just going to start picking the Broncos to, to lose every week because I'm always so wrong. Uh, but uh, anyway... Uh, we are going to do something fun here. We're going to actually have on uh, Cecil Lammy of 104.3 The Fan. Uh, he's a you know great insider. It's going to be cool to have him on. We've been kind of hoping to have him on for a while now, and uh, it'll be nice to hear from him and hear some of his thoughts about sort of where the franchise is at right now and also uh, what he's going to be looking for moving forward uh, as far as like what he wants to see from the Broncos and stuff. And so I think what we should do is kind of – give our ideas about those things as well uh, and just kind of take a look at where this team is at. Obviously they've been through some, some, some stuff for the first nine games. And so it'll be, it'll be kind of interesting to talk about where they are, where we think they're headed and, and also uh, just kind of what we're looking for. I think with the team sitting at three and six and their week 10 by, I think the biggest thing is, we need to see what the Broncos have in Drew Locke. He needs to get on the field. He needs to get on the practice field. He needs to get reps. And then come the home game against the Chargers in early December, which is going to be the next Broncos home game, Drew Locke needs to be the starting quarterback. And the only caveat on that is unless Brandon Allen comes out and completely balls out against the Vikings and the Bills on the road. And Based on everything that we've seen from Brandon Allen through the preseason and then in his first game against the Browns, that's probably not going to happen. We both like the way that Brandon Allen played in his first career start, loved the poise that he had, loved how effective he was. He didn't play out of himself. He didn't try to do too much. But there's still some things that he's going to have to work on. We need to see what the Broncos have in Drew Locke. After this two-game stretch on the road, get Drew Locke in for the remaining five games. Have an idea of where you're at at that position heading into the 2020 offseason in terms of free agency and the draft. To me, that's the biggest thing this team needs to know the remaining seven games of this season. Yeah, I mean, to be honest, there's really not much else in regards to uh, at least sort of the unknown, right? I, I think that the, the big unknown is is the uh, the second-round quarterback and what he brings to the table, and can he put, some, can he put himself into a situation where uh, maybe he, he finds some adversity and is able to overcome that adversity? Uh, can he show that he's ready? As, you know, obviously, he's got the arm talent. He's, he's raw, uh, but, but has he had the opportunity to practice enough to improve some of those 
issues that teams had with him coming out of Missouri, uh, which is why he wasn't a first-round draft pick and instead ended up falling to the Broncos in the second round. And is he potentially the future? I, I think when you look at this team, and, and the big problem with the Denver Broncos ever since Peyton Manning left has, has always been the the future quarterback, right? The quarterback of the future. That's what we have been hoping they would find. And, you know, it was Paxton Lynch and maybe Trevor Simeon, and then it was, uh, you know, Case Keenum, and then it was and it was Joe Flacco, and and we, it's just every year it's something different. Every year it's something worse, or it's just it just doesn't get any better. You drafted the kid in the second round in Drew Locke, and and the injury popped up, which is a a, a big disappointment. But he's he's ready. I think he's ready to at least put himself out on the field. He's ready to to go see what he can do, and and it gives the Broncos an opportunity to make some decisions that they really do need to make heading into the 2020 draft. And, and I think you're absolutely right on that. Uh, as, as far as uh, the state of the franchise, I think really the state of the franchise ends up being about Drew Locke and his future, I guess you could say, his you know what his contribution is going to be moving forward and how that's going to affect the rest of the dominoes as they fall. Uh, you, you, uh, we could talk about the head coach and, and his his coaching staff. We can talk about the defense, and I think we should and we will. Uh, but really, everything falls to have they found their quarterback of the future, and you really won't know until Drew Locke finds his way onto the field. And you can see that they have foundational pieces in place, especially on offense. You have a number one receiver, oh, a yeah. bona fide number one receiver in Cortland Sutton who's only going to get better you have a franchise guard that the Broncos wanted in the draft two years ago when Quentin Nelson was there, and instead John Elway grabbed Chubb. You have Philip Lindsay. You hopefully have a guy in Royce Freeman who's able to, to get his feet wet with this offense, and you get a running back tandem that matches what Kyle Shanahan had in Atlanta with Devontae Freeman and Tevin Coleman. Where it becomes interesting is if Drew Locke is your guy, that opens up so many avenues to get your left tackle. Because the other thing that I'm looking for is to steal the line from days of our lives, like sand through the hourglass, so is Garrett Bowles' time with the Denver Broncos. We are watching the clock ticking on his time in Denver. I don't see any conceivable fashion that he's back for this team after this season. He is a horrible left tackle. And they need to just move on, cut bait. It's time. So that's something that that I'm going to be a keep, to, to keep an eye on. But it also ties back to what you said about Drew Locke. It opens up so many avenues in the draft if Drew Locke is the guy and the only way to see it is for him to play. Right. Absolutely. Uh, just one thing I want to say about Garrett Bowles. I actually, uh, I, I believe having watched him play football for more than enough time now that he's, he's just not in the right position. I, I think he's a defensive player. I, I know that sounds crazy, but why not put him on the defensive line, stick him at nose tackle, right? Put him, put him in a position where, cause he likes to grab people and throw them around. If you want to grab people and throw them around, play defense. 
Play, just play ask defense. Mark Clareth. Yeah, just, the <laughs> former left guard for the Broncos says he loves to tackle people. So let him tackle let people, him tack- and he won't get penalized. I for honestly it. think I honestly think that could be the thing that saves his career. Is if he were to say, you know what, I want to play defense now. Okay, let's get you on the defensive side of the football and see how it goes. I don't think anybody in the league is going to pick up Garrett Bowles after he is no longer with the Denver Broncos and say, hey, would you like to play tackle? No, but he sure would like to tackle somebody, so just switch him around. Make his number, instead of wearing 72, he should be wearing 92 and put him on the defensive line. I I, I mean, seriously, I think that could save his career, but I digress. The... Well, go ahead. I think the aspect that is most exciting about this team and where you can you can get that enthusiasm and see what could be is on defense. The way the defense has gone from what it was in the in, in the first week on Monday night against the Raiders to where it is now. It's one of the best defenses in football. And you Absolutely. can see exactly what Vic Fangio and Ed Donatel want to do. And they're getting buy-in. And to tie back into this, both Cecil and another special guest that we'll have coming up for a, a special podcast next Monday, Andrew Mason, both say the same thing. You're starting to see buy-in from the guys on defense. And that's something that we've been talking about for weeks you're starting to see the guys finally buy in. They're finally believing and knowing the system. Yeah. They're they're knowing where they need to be, what they need to do, and now they're just doing it. And I think the to me the the biggest the biggest thing on defense, the biggest answer, all of it is Alexander Johnson. There is no doubt he is the middle linebacker for the Denver Broncos. And it's exciting to think about he's only going to get better the more accustomed he gets to this defense, the more Vic Fangio works with him. He's only going to get I think we've only scrapped the surface with Alexander Johnson. And I love his nickname the Dino because he wants to continue to eat and he is going to continue to eat and it, and it's fitting that he went to the University of Tennessee because that's where Al Wilson played his college ball, and the Broncos haven't had a middle linebacker not like since, Alexander Johnson since Al Wilson. Not since Smoke Dog. That's all there is to it. Uh, interesting. Al Wilson, Alexander Johnson. Oh, I'm just saying. Look at look at all the similarities. Both went to Tennessee. I, I think that's probably where they stop. Um, hopefully not. Hopefully not, though. Maybe also with their play, which I think we are seeing. Yeah, I, you know, it's it's funny because. The one thing I want to give this team is time at this point, right? They're three and six, which is not great, obviously, but there's just something about what you can kind of see, like you said, with the defense. And then also some of the things that we noticed, I think, in the Browns game against uh, a bad Browns team, but a good Browns defense as far as the, the talent level that they have you can really see some of the things starting to fall into place. Some of the things are starting to work out. And it's something that I really didn't want to give past administrations, if you will. I really didn't want to give Vance Joseph any more time. He he earned zero time. Whereas 
you can kind of tell that with with Vic Fangio and Ed Donatel and and Rich Scangarello and and the entire coaching staff, maybe not the special teams, you can see that giving them the time to build whatever it is that they're trying to build should work out and and will work out as long as the pieces that they need are put in place. And and so along with watching these players develop, like a like a Royce Freeman, who I think is a, a really good mention on your part, or even like a Deshaun Hamilton, who can he step into that wide receiver two role just as smoothly as uh, you know, Cortland Sutton just slid right into wide receiver one like it was his all along anyway. Can they take some of these players on offense that they have and then continue to build that defense? And, and, and I think that they can. I think that they will continue to grow. And so it, it won't be by the end of this season, and it may not even be by the end of 2020, but it's possible that you could see in 2021 a complete turnaround to this franchise where – you're you're talking about a team that's going 12 and 4, 13 and 3, maybe not 13 and 3. That's not a very lucky record for the Broncos. And and making a deep playoff run and maybe going to a Super Bowl. The piece that has to fall into place though is that is that final piece, right? That last piece to the puzzle and it's it's about the quarterback and we've been talking about it a lot and and I'm not going to go into it anymore, but that you can see once all this other stuff falls into place, if they have a quarterback, if they've got that puzzle piece this could be a team that's very difficult. It's a tough out, as you might say. It's a tough out. The other guy on defense who's really made a name for himself, who checks another box in terms of it solves a problem, is Devontae Harris. The way he's played opposite Chris Harris Jr. in that secondary has been huge. And so I'm. that's another guy to keep an eye on throughout the remaining seven games of the season. If he's able to keep that play up, on top of once Bryce Callahan is able to get back healthy, you then have three solid cornerbacks if hopefully they get Chris Harris Jr. back and make him a Bronco for life. And in terms of contracts, the other thing that needs to happen over the remaining seven games is pay Justin Simmons. Yes, I did a bad Teddy KGB last in the last show, but pay that man his money, right? I mean get him his get him his cash load up the Brinks truck take it to his house and just dump it in front because he's earned it and he the the sooner you wrap him up the cheaper he is that's the other part of this the sooner you pay him the less you have to pay him and so that might make it a, a better deal to get him to get him under contract now versus waiting till you know down the line when he can go I need more money so pay that man his money and and do it quickly. As you mentioned, with the difference between administrations, where basically everyone knew that Vance Joseph needed to go away and no one wanted any more time of Vance Joseph, you're now in a situation where you can actually see the possibilities that this is the right decision, that Elway did basically nail this hire of Vic Fangio. And the more, I think the big thing with him is the more games he gets under his belt, the better he's going to get. And he's going to figure out how he can improve as a head coach in terms of game management, clock management, 
all the stuff that you don't really know until you do it. In terms of everything else, you can, as you said, there is actually glass. If you put your glasses on, you can see evidence that the Broncos are heading in the right direction and you can get excited. The, the big thing as I'm going to say it again is the quarterback position. They need to figure out what they have in Drew Locke. Yeah. And uh, we're going to talk to, to Cecil Lammy about that. We've got a, an interview queued up. And uh, so we're going to go ahead and switch on over to that. He's, he's got some great insight as well. All right, so we are here with Cecil Lammy of uh, 104.3 The Fan. You can follow him uh, on Twitter, at Cecil Lammy, uh, And we're excited to have you, Cecil, because uh, here we are in a bye week, and we've got things to talk about. And it's your first time on the show. We're, we're really excited to have you, and, and, and welcome. Well, I appreciate you guys uh, because I appreciate Mount High Report, and I know what you guys do, and I'm a fan. I follow along. I love the community. And Broncos country, uh, while I believe they're a spoiled fan base, I think they're one of the best fan bases in the country. And, you know, really at this point of the year, it's just about, well, you guys deserve a better product because Broncos country is loyal, fiercely so, and I certainly appreciate everything that you guys do at Mount High Report. Well, thank you for that. And you you touched on it a little bit with the spoiled fan base. It's obviously been a rough three years for this organization and and for the fan base. Where do you see the team right now as it sits in the week 10 bye heading into the final seven games of this season? With all due respect to Bill Parcells, you know, you are what your record says you are. They're not a three-win team. This is a, a different team if you win the Jacksonville game, if you win the Raiders game, honestly. I thought they should have won the very first game against the Raiders. So the Bears game, you know, all of a sudden, if you're a six-win team and not a three-win team, people are talking about this Broncos season in a much, much different light. Now, they still are a three-win team. So where is the truth? Is the truth within the record or is the truth within the roster? I'm always going to lean towards the roster and what is there to build on. I've often said on the fan airwaves, like Joe Flacco wasn't the only problem, but he was a problem. And I think we saw that with this offense, able to look more like it truly should with Rich Gangarello leading the way and with Brandon Allen in there because of the bootlegs and the rollout. So all due respect to Joe Flacco and his Super Bowl history, but he's clearly not in his prime. You clearly have a team that lacks depth and they've had to battle through a bunch of injuries. The Bryce Callahan one should have never signed him, in my opinion, should have just paid that money to Chris Harris Jr. Juwan James, list goes on and on and on. We all know about all these injuries. So I think at this point, if you're within that building, if you're on that team, you can look around and go, you know, we've got we've got some guys. We've got not maybe every single piece, but they have some quality pieces that are kind of overlooked from a national perspective because everyone thinks, oh, the Broncos, it's a down year and they haven't won since Peyton left. Like they're, they're building something here. And the thing that I appreciate the most about the way the defense has been performing, especially through all these injuries, is the fact that there is buy-in. You know, when the conversation starts about Von Miller and Vic Fangio's relationship, one, that is a real conversation. This isn't something made up and it's haters out there. Like we're called haters on the fan all the time. And while some of us, DMAC, do you know <laughs> maybe go a little bit overboard and like to be rabble rousers i will say as someone who's in that locker room five days a week 
there was a, a concern, you know, is Fangio's message being lost to some of the, you know, veterans, to some of the superstars, you know, the guys like Von Miller? It's a legitimate question. It's a real question. And now I believe through their play, we have the answers. The buy-in is there. The fact that Vaughn was so emotional, especially after the KC loss, and, and almost in tears. And, and I've been around Vaughn, you know, winning AFC championships. He's running rock, locker room with a cowboy hat on and not much else, screaming, you know, having fun. Like, I love that Vaughn Miller. But it means so much to him. And the buy-in is there with Vic Fangio. So they're building something. It's not complete. Not at all. But there's some pieces. There's a foundation there that is much more solid than what you felt when Vance Joseph was the coach. Dang, I don't even know where else to go now. That was that was nice. I felt the emotion, and I was getting emotional. I like that. I'm fired up now. So I think what you're saying, just to sort of give the TLDR version, uh, things are going in the right direction. Yes, yeah, oh, and, and 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 we can say that even offensively. I've been one to regularly question Rich Scangarello on the air, and I talk to him every single week. And the thing is, I couldn't fully judge him based on the fact that they didn't have a quarterback that could run this offense. The kind of do with Brandon Allen, who's a you know fine backup. That's all we're looking at here. I don't think anyone should be going overboard. I think people should have learned their lesson uh, about that. But I even think the offense has some pieces and is going in the right direction. I like that subtle shot at Trevor Simeon. You can you can just say don't go overboard like you did with Simeon, and and people will understand. It's I try to be nice. Trevor was always nice to me. He even called himself a slappy in front of me because he knows <laughs> I always called him a slappy. But he was always and I always say that about like Monte Ball. Monte Ball. He was on hold when I'm in New York City and I'm just tearing the Broncos apart for picking Monte Ball. Monte was on hold to talk to me because he was like we got him for an interview. <laughs> And then he came on air. My producer got my ears like, Monte's on hold. And I'd just been ripping him. And Monte was always good to me. Trevor was always good to me. But are you good at football, right? And, and it's like, I figure I'll get into Noah Fant conversation here at some point. The reason why I question Noah Fant, the reason why I push on the Noah Fant thing is because the talent is there. If Noah Fant's a slappy, I would have told you that. Just like I told you Adam Gotsis was a slappy. Me and Ian were the only guys talking about Trevor Simeon not being the guy. So I, I do appreciate when players can take that criticism from you personally and then not, you know, be a jerk to you back. So to get to the quarterback situation, that I take it you want to see what Drew Locke is capable of come that Chargers game because that seems like that's when he's going to be primed to step in and finally play because of this belief that it's the best situation for him to have success, even though he could have been practicing two weeks ago. We don't need to get into that. But I take it you want to see Drew Locke just to see what they have and where they're going into 2020 in terms of free agency and then the draft and what they could potentially do. But it's all based on what they see from Drew Locke. Right. And I know they like Jake Fromm, right? We can all talk about Justin Herbert and all that. And even Peyton Manning has taken – kind of a, a personal interest in Justin Herbert, which is interesting. Uh, but this team likes Jake Fromm from Georgia. I think he would be a fine fit if Locke isn't the guy. We have to find out. Like, the worst thing you could possibly do is not play Drew Locke. Actually, the worst thing you could do is play him, and then you kind of don't really know 
but you should have some clues. And yes, at this point, not being able to practice, that's a big issue, but they're still studying him. They're still studying what he knows, what he doesn't know. And right now, even though Vic Fangio said we wouldn't use virtual reality to judge someone, that's exactly what they're doing is using virtual reality, which is just watching the quarterback's view. It's a first-person view of the other quarterbacks. It's not even you like playing a video game, right? There's been some misconceptions about how exactly the Broncos use this tool. What they use is you're, you're seeing what Flacco sees, basically. And then you're making decisions based on that, like freeze frame, pause, okay, what are you doing here? Those type of things. And from what I know is that Drew Locke needs to be better at the middle of the field. You know, and, and when we see that, then we'll see him play at his best. The talent is, the natural talent is much more so than Brandon Allen. However, if he had Brandon Allen's mechanics in terms of footwork, he'd have been starting already because Drew Locke and that, that natural rawness, that big arm, and he's a much better athlete than Brandon Allen, but his footwork is awful. And with bad footwork comes bad timing, comes bad accuracy, comes bad throws. Like he has to clean that up. Something I've talked to Drew about since the senior bowl. When I talked to him, talked to Elway at the senior bowl in the press box about Drew Locke. Like this is a guy that they want to see, but he's got to be ready to be seen, I guess is the best way to put that. And I hope that happens in the Chargers game. The one thing, our most precious asset is time in football and in life. I want Drew Locke to have the time so the Broncos don't waste their time in case he's not the guy. And by the way, John Elway needs one hit. If he gets, if he finds the next Mahomes, let's be crazy, right? If he finds the next guy, it's the next Mahomes, it's the next whoever, everyone will forget about Trevor and Paxton and Case and Joe and Drew. Like, they'll forget about everything. He just needs one hit. So find out, let's see, and let's properly give Drew Locke enough time to see if he could be the guy. All right, I'm fine with that. I don't know if you saw my face. I'm, I'm not a, a huge Jake Fromm guy. That that sort of, I, I I didn't enjoy that part of your. <laughs> There's people in the locker room, actual players that don't like Jake Fromm because they're worried about him being a game manager. But the front office likes him, and I don't think he truly is a game manager. I think at times they ask him to be, and his stock is falling. Watch for Jordan Love, the Utah State kid. Right. He she should be the riser. I, I've called him. I've compared him to the way Carson Wentz rose. In the draft, I remember being at the Shrine game, even before the Senior Bowl, when I was going to see Carson Wentz. And his representatives were like, the hype is its too much. It's building too much. And then at the Senior Bowl, I was like, well, it was all worth the hype. Like, he was so worth that hype. And I know the Broncos loved him, but we're never going to get him at number two. I think Jordan Love is that guy. So if you're a Broncos fan, you're thinking, I don't really like Herbert, or they I like Herbert, I don't like Fromm. Go watch some Jordan Love and see what you think. <laughs> so you know Cecil. Adam is full on board the Trevor Lawrence train. Oh yeah, I'm. I'm dri- I think I'm driving the train. I might be shoveling the coal into the engine. I mean, is that my job? I don't know. I am on the train though. Yeah, that is a good train to be on, and it's one of those things like where you just have to be patient. And if that means a year of Drew Locke, hey, fine, because we're gonna find out about the guy. I want the five games, and I, I'm. I want this to work out for this team. Uh, again, it's more fun to be around them when they're winning. It's more fun for this community, for this fan base, so well-deserving, and they deserve a better product. They deserve a better quarterback, and I think Elway has done everything except find the next guy. We'll see if he can do that with Drew Locke or somebody else. So that actually brings me to a question here about uh, winning and losing, and this is something that's it's come up a little bit. Uh, are, are you one of those people, when you look at, at the, the franchise, are you um, – just excited about a win that week and that's the only place that your focus is? Or are you somebody who sees maybe the bigger picture and looks at uh, like a win like 
like this one against the Browns last week, for example. Uh, yeah, they're three and six. It was fun to watch them win a game, but now they're three and six. And you've got all these other teams that have worse records that are going to have better draft picks. Are you? What is your thought on that? Because to me, I'm sort of of the opinion that put Drew Locke in, let him play as much as possible, and if they go 0 and 16 with Drew Locke, now you can draft Trevor Lawrence. And if they go, you know, 14 and two, now you know you've got the guy, right? That's kind of where my head is at with that. Does that make sense? Are you kind of on one side of that or the other? I and and here's the thing. I think it depends on the team itself. And I hate to answer this like a fence sitter because I'm not, and I'll explain why. When they beat the Colts with Brock Osweiler, that that eliminated Sam Darnold from them, and, and they like Sam Darnold. And I know Bradley Chubb's amazing and awesome, and I'm not saying that about Bradley Chubb, but I'm saying you went from number three to number five. And that's a different conversation. They're not in that range right now. They're at nine. you know. Right. So you're in the nine to 12 range. It's kind of like the Buffalo Bills purgatory that they were in forever and ever and ever. Um, so for this season, and, and that year when they beat the Colts, I was like, oh, what are they doing? Like you have these five quarterbacks coming out the next year. It was a great quarterback class. And they you know, didn't get Sam Darnold because the Jets were able to leapfrog them and go get their guy at number three. And they like Baker as well um, there at the Senior Bowl. This year, I would say it's different, and I've said nobody loves the draft more than me. For 14 years, 14 years, I've gone to the Shrine Game, the Senior Bowl, to the Combine, to as many pro days as I can, although I was invited to Drew Locke's pro day, I was unable to make it, but I, I, mean, I, I go to the draft for 14 years. No one else in the media does this, No, certainly in the Denver market. But even nationally, it's very, very rare that I see the same person every time that I've seen for 14 years on this all-star road trip. So as someone who loves the draft more than anyone else, be damned the draft. I don't care about the draft right now at your current position. This team needs to win, not win every game, not you know win seven games or whatever. I'm not saying that. But that Browns game specifically, because of that buy-in, because... I believe in Vic Fangio. I do. Some people some people have already bailed on Vic Fangio in the media, and I think that's stupid. I think it's uninformed. Like, I, you know, I had bailed on Vance Joseph after a year. Uh, the Broncos wanted to. They wanted, Elway wanted to hire Mike Shanahan. He wasn't allowed to hire Mike Shanahan, and I think that is very, very, very sad. Um, but, you know, after one year of Vic Fangio, I want to see more, and I know this year isn't done, but I want it, I don't want any sort of, locker room um sort of uh, I, I hate using the word cancer as someone who's had family that battles cancer but like that sort of you know growth within the locker room that's like this guy doesn't know and this guy's too old school and and that is something that fangio has had to kind of upgrade his coaching style not in a, in a similar way to tom coughlin maybe not as drastic as grandpa coughlin when he was like the hard hand and then all of a sudden he's like you're happy grandpa Vic Fangio hasn't done that because he wasn't quite as extreme as Tom Coughlin. But there have been things, um, you know, that we could talk about privately where, you know, some Fangio's implementation of schedules or something have had have rubbed some people the wrong way. And I want this team to win because I believe in Vic Fangio. And I certainly believe in this system. If anyone says this offense is antiquated or doesn't work, you don't know football, right? Watch Minnesota, watch San Francisco, watch the LA Rams. It's just preposterous when people are like, the West Coast offense doesn't work. It's like, okay, let's let's sit down and talk about football. So, you know, this offense I believe in, the structure, this coaching staff I believe in, much more so than Vance Joseph. And that's why, for me, a game like Cleveland can prove 
you know, we, we got more there. There is more there. And that's why I was happy to see them win on Sunday. And that's what Adam and I have talked about, where we bought into Vic Fangio the, the day that he was hired, because we yep. just feel like he's exactly what this organization needs. And it may take time to buy in, but you're absolutely right. So that ties into what do you want to see in the remaining seven games of this season heading into this offseason that could be pretty key in taking the Broncos potentially to that next step? I want, well, I want to see him pay Justin Simmons. Yes. <laughs> because yes. His, Do that. his price tag's going up and up and up and up and up every single week with like, Justin Simmons. Pay him now. <laughs> exactly. Well, and I do know they are working behind the scenes to get something done. They have been for a while. There was another player that they were working on, and then they quickly abandoned that for other reasons um, after they paid Andy Janovich because you rework the money with Joe Flacco for Janovich and for Simmons. There was somebody else, but that person is no longer going to be considered for that contract. It is Simmons. Simmons is the guy who's going to have a big price tag. I don't even mind in this secondary if you're locking down Chris Harris Jr. I'm a big CHJ guy, um, you know, as a player and as an as an analyst. When Mike Mayock, who's a friend of mine, and and, and I'm not saying this to blast on Mike, but he didn't know who Chris Harris Jr. was, and Chris has always carried that with him. You know, when the then NFL Network's main draft analyst doesn't know a four-year starter at Kansas. And I know he was an undrafted guy, but still. And that was a Brian Zander specialty, by the way. Zanders loved him, and Zanders loved Julius Thomas. But I, I, w- I love the idea of Bronco for life with Chris Harris Jr. Not with every player, but certainly with Chris Harris Jr. So yes. I'd like to see some money distributed. And if you can tell me Drew Locke works out, great, because you're going to have a rookie contract for guys you can spend your money elsewhere. You're going to have more salary cap space. Uh, I want to see Royce Freeman run with more discipline. He's dancing too much right now. I asked Rich Gangarello about that eh, about a month ago, and he said he's not dancing too much. Put on the film. He's dancing too much. I've even written about that and put up the video. Like, I want to see him more one cut and go, what this system is built on. Philip Lindsay, just stay healthy. Cortland Sutton, steal of the draft. Just, you know, continue to be that star receiver, top 10 receiver like he is right now. I'd like to continue to see the confidence build with Noah Fant. I don't think anyone should be blasting on Noah Fant. I wrote about it a couple of weeks ago after the Chiefs game. You know, is Noah Fant a bust? The answer is no. It's stupid to say Noah Fant's a bust, and he's not even done with his rookie year. Rookie tight end struggle. We all know that. But I think that play specifically against the Browns can help him out so much in the locker room, so much with his guys, because Noah Fant is a beat of a different drummer type of guy. And some players, and even ex-players, you know, maybe don't get down like that, right? Don't get down with someone who's a little bit, you know, uh, different from other guys. But in that locker room, when you see Vaughn dabbing him up, like that's so good for that young player and his confidence. And I give Noah Fant a lot of credit because after the Chiefs game, he was answering tough questions. He was a stand-up guy. He didn't back down. He didn't blame the media. He didn't start, you guys didn't play football. You don't understand. He didn't do any of that stuff. He just, he stood there and he took the tough questions. I love that from Noah Fant. Offensive line-wise, if Juwan James is healthy, we wouldn't be seeing Garrett Bowles at left tackle. Juwan James is is hardly ever healthy, so we're stuck with seeing Garrett Bowles at left tackle. Dalton Reisner continue to do his thing, right? We'll see what happens with Connor McGovern, and I'm glad that Ron Leary isn't injured yet as he's battled through those injuries. Never played a full 16-game season. Uh, And that wraps up the offense. Defensively, you know, are you going to pay Derek Wolf? You kind of should based on his play, but, you know, maybe you're at a point where, okay, let's try to rotate in someone else. 
I want to see Alexander Johnson continue to play at a high level. And the Devontae Harris is doing a really good job. Opposite of Chris Harris is a big, big job. So again, the the pieces we talk about, there is some excitement here. And you, you're going to still fix the offensive line, and that is a big task. But there's some nice pieces here. I just want to see them continue to progress. And of course, everybody stay healthy. Awesome. Awesome. Well, I, I don't know where, what else we have to talk about here, Cecil. You, you wrapped it all up so nicely. It's a, a nice little bow. So I'm, I'm down with that. I, again, I want to thank you for coming on. Uh, fantastic to have you. And you got to come back. Oh, of course, man. Anytime. You know, I appreciate you guys and what you do. So uh, just let me know. I have the gift of gab. And I don't know if that's a good or a bad thing, but here we are. It works in your line of profession. It does. Yes. Thank you. All right, that was some some pretty good stuff from Cecil Lammy, 104.3 The Fan. Check him out. Uh, follow him on Twitter, at Cecil Lammy. Again, uh, uh, it was awesome to have him on. Uh, let's go ahead and, and jump into our uh, wrap around the league, if you will. We've got some some AFC West games we're going to talk about and then and preview some of the other games. Obviously, no Broncos to talk about, so we don't have to worry about that. Uh, Ian, let's, let's jump in with Chargers Raiders. I think the most interesting thing – about the Chargers isn't the game. It's there is a report in the Athletic that said that the Chargers could potentially be the team that moves to London. And what was included in that story and what makes it relevant to the Broncos is the Chargers would then move to either the AFC South or the AFC East. If they move to the AFC East, the Dolphins would move to the AFC South, and in either scenario... You mean the if, Texans, right? Oh, no, the Dolphins. That's right. Sorry. Right. So me. if if the Chargers move to the AFC South or the AFC East, the resulting move, and this is a nightmare scenario for the Broncos, is the Texans would then move to the AFC West. That is, like I said, that is a nightmare scenario. Because you're not gen, you're not just playing Patrick Mahomes two games a season, you're now playing Deshaun Watson four games a season. No, 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 no. hard nope. pass. No, nope. hard pass mm-hmm. on that. Mm-hmm. You know, no, no, no. It's no, not even a move that no, makes sense. No, right? <laughs> it's not even a move that makes sense. You're right. The, the game doesn't matter. The Chargers just beat the Packers. Who cares? Uh, the Raiders, who cares? Chargers, Raiders, who cares? But it is the AFC West, and so I hope both teams lose. The move that makes sense, if the NFL wants to move a team to London, which I, I, I wholeheartedly believe that they do, the move that makes sense is the Jacksonville Jaguars. Shad Khan, the owner of the Jaguars, wants his team in London. They play in London every year. They're in the AFC South, so you wouldn't have to realign anything. Everybody could just stay where they are, and and it doesn't change anything. So why why try and force a team to move as far as, as that, right? That's the furthest they could possibly move. The Chargers moving all the way from Los Angeles to London. It, it doesn't make any sense. The only reason it makes sense is because they can't seem to find a fan base in any city that they go to. So maybe they can just fake a fan base in London. That's the only thing I can think of. I think if you're if you're thinking about moving the Chargers, move them back to San Diego. Yeah. They should have never left San Diego to begin with. The other city that could potentially work, and I've heard other people say this, is St. Louis. 
but moving the Chargers to London just makes no sense to me. But to see the reaction from the Chargers social media team and then Dean Spanos, to have the gall, to have the kind of visceral response that they did on Tuesday when they just moved the team from San Diego two years ago. Yeah, it's it, it takes it takes some pretty big huevos to to do that. Yeah, it's comical. It really is comical. I, I honestly, uh, and we're talking about we're talking about teams that move all the time. The, the Raiders are going to be in Las Vegas. The Chargers are going to be what in London, in Los Angeles, in San Diego, and St. Louis. Who knows? It's like find a home, just find a home and, and stay there for a while. See how it fits. And and so it's it's sort of it's laughable and also. Yeah, the scenario, the 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 killer scenario of of gaining the Texans and losing the Chargers, no, no, thank you, not no, no, exactly no. Uh, the other AFC West game, Chiefs and Titans. Uh, the only interesting thing here is that maybe Patrick Mahomes plays, and that's the big thing to to look for. I I, I think it was either Ian Rappaport or James Palmer with NFL Network who said that they they looked at the the risk for injury after a dislocated knee and under 21 days it the percentage is like astronomical of re-injuring it and after 21 days it reduces significantly so I give credit to Andy Reid for making a, a great decision because he usually doesn't do that unless it comes to food <laughs> Well, he doesn't make a decision when it comes to food. The decision is always just yes. Exactly. So but... that's not that's not making a decision. That's just saying yes. So I, I guess well, it, that. it's kind of similar. I mean, it, it's kind of made for him. Right. It's, it's a pre-made decision, which is great. Yeah. I, so I that think... means that I don't have to give Andy Reid credit because nope. he shouldn't get any because he's the most overrated coach in the history of the National Football League. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. No, I think the Chiefs would be smart to to hold. Patrick Mahomes out if they can, uh, just to make sure. And and I think they should be able to win this game without Patrick Mahomes anyway. Not, I'm not saying that they will. I just think that they should. I mean, the Broncos beat the Titans, and they had Joe Flacco as their quarterback. Ooh, so, snap. Yeah, you're welcome. Uh, that was an elite joke. Oh, thank you. That was nicely done. I, I enjoyed that. I enjoyed that You didn't much. plop it out there no, and expect it to perform. I, I didn't. Because I, I, I it performed on its own. That's right. It just took care of everything. It didn't need help. No, that's what she said. Uh, any other games of note that you that you're looking at? I'm tr- I'm looking at the schedule here. It's it's not super exciting. Um, it, yeah, maybe I think Vikings, Cowboys, and Seahawks, 49ers, like you said before we started, were, are really the only games that are going to be worth watching this weekend. And the Cowboys is interesting because there is a time where they were struggling to beat the Giants, and I'm not sure if that's because they were on the road and it was the game after their bye and they were looking ahead to playing the Vikings, which could potentially be an NFC championship game because there's a lot of good teams in the NFC and both the Cowboys and the Vikings will have, I think they're both going to be in the playoffs. Yeah. So that will be interesting. And then another potential NFC playoff match will be the Seahawks and the 49ers. I and the thing that will give the 49ers an edge in that game is they'll be at home. And they're, because of the Ravens beating the Patriots, the 49ers are the last remaining undefeated team in the National Football League. And if you had that on your bingo card, you're lying. 
<laughs> you're a, you are a liar, sir. Yeah, I um, <laughs> I actually that's the game I'm most excited about because this to me is a game where the torch gets passed, right? If the 49ers can beat the Seahawks, then the 49ers are the best team in the in the NFC West, and I think they're your clear cut favorite to make the Super Bowl in the NFC. If they lose to the Seahawks, I think it muddies the waters. I think you you lose sight of really who you know who the favorites are. Like, is there an actual favorite in the NFC? Like, if you look at the AFC, you know who the favorites are. It's the Patriots and it's the Chiefs, and then you vomit in your mouth a little bit. If you look at the NFC, I mean, right now it's the 49ers, but if they lose to the Seahawks, it's the 49ers and the Seahawks and the Cowboys and the Vikings and the, I mean, and the, and, and the Packers and there's the the list grows just by them losing one game. There's one team you didn't mention in the NFC, and I still think it's the best team in the NFC. The I think Saints. it's the best team in the National Football League. It's the Saints. Yeah, I I, I knew I missed somebody. They weren't on my screen. <laughs> in terms of the AFC, I think there's another team that I think is better than the Chiefs, and that's the Ravens. Because yeah, how they did actually I miss the have yeah. they actually have a defense. Yeah, it helps, right? I don't, I don't think the Chiefs have the defense to stop the New England Patriots. The Ravens have the defense to stop any offense. Well, and they just they proved that against the the Patriots, uh, you know, and and have you know have a team. I think I think you're right. How do I, that's two teams I missed there. I, I apologize for for being the, the person that wasn't paying attention. My mind was in the wrong place, but that doesn't change the fact that uh, Seahawks 49ers is still in my opinion, the most intriguing matchup of the weekend. And it's on Monday night. Which is unfortunate because that means we all have to have our ears bleed by listening to Booger McFarlane. Oof, it's rough. You know, and Tessitores is just not good either. So maybe it wasn't Jason Witten. Maybe he realized, yeah, I may not be good, but neither of these other two clowns. <laughs> I'm getting I'm getting no help. <laughs> the thing that will be interesting to to keep an eye on to 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 come full circle on this podcast is the remaining seven games, the new England Patriots schedule gets infinitely tougher. They're not just playing the jets and the dolphins. They're going to be playing the the Cowboys. They're going to be playing the Eagles. Their schedule is going to get tough. Not to say that you should ever discount bill Belichick and the, and the new England Patriots because Every time you seem to discredit it, they find a way to just come back and win another Super Bowl. Sure. But the next seven games are going to be very interesting from a New England Patriots perspective because they got their ass kicked against the Ravens. They got their ass kicked up and down the field by the Baltimore Ravens. Wasn't it fun to watch? You've been listening to Mile High Report Radio. Get involved in the discussion at milehighreport.com. And as always, go Broncos.